0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Thank you for being here today. We're really glad you're here. As Pastor Chris said, I'm Amy, the children's pastor here, and I love spending time with your kids. Thank you for bringing them every week. We have such a great time with them over in Kids Blast. In fact, when I'm not in there with them, I miss them. And they, when they found out that I was speaking to the adults, they had some suggestions for me. So... Don't be nervous. We're really not going to do any of this stuff. But just, I don't want you to leave before I'm done. But, you know, at the beginning of our kids' blast, a lot of times we do some energetic, fun, dance around songs that they really enjoy. Um, I don't think we'll do that this morning. But, you know, if you ever want to come in there and join us, though, you know, come to one service here and then go to the other one in there. You can come see what we do. Another thing we do is we play games at the beginning of service. Sometimes our game has something to do with the sermon. Not the topic. Sometimes it's just a fun game. For example, last week we played a game called Cookie Face, where we took a cookie that was like Oreo type of cookie, and the kids had to balance it on their foreheads like this and get it from their forehead to their mouth, but they couldn't use their hands. They could only use their face muscles. So that was pretty entertaining, and they, they, did, a, they did an okay job. A couple of the kids cheated and just like hit it under the floor and then reached down with their mouth to pick it up and but um, most of them tried real hard. And one of the kids suggested that I get 20 of you guys up here, just line up across the, the platform here, and we all play it. And I'll tell you right now, I mean, it'd be fun, but I can tell you that Bill Timms would win because he was in there last week. He volunteers in Kids Blast with us, and he finished it in about 10 seconds. And I have it on video, so if anyone wants to see it, it's very impressive. He said it's because he has a big mouth. I... I'm not going to go there. But I was very impressed. So we're just not going to do it because we just have to go ahead and just give it to Bill. He would go ahead and he'd win anyway. So there's no point of us doing that today. Something else that we do, it comes back from before I was a pastor, I was a school teacher. And so this is one of my school teacher tricks from when I worked in the public schools. But we do something called secret seat. And I pick a, I have a cup with numbers and I pick a number and I'm, I watch this child. This is my secret seat. All during the service, I watch them and if they do a great job and they listen, they pay attention, they win a prize at the end of service. If they don't, maybe they're being a little squirrely that day and they're not, they're not making all the best choices and they don't win and I don't even tell who it was at the end of service. So it's kind of one of those, you never know if you're my secret seat or not. You need to always be in your best behavior. And on those days when I don't pick one, it's big news. The kids come out, and we didn't get to pick a secret seat today. Um, I don't know if maybe Pastor Chris wants to institute this in here on a Sunday morning. Maybe he'll pick a seat and watch you, and you don't know he's watching you. If you're paying attention, maybe you'll get a Starbucks gift card or something. And if you fall asleep during the sermon, you're probably lost out for the day. But I don't know. It's just a suggestion. I don't know. The kids like it, so maybe you would appreciate it. And I was talking to some of the kids this morning, and I said, do you have any suggestions for me? And you know, I was speaking to the adults today, and one of the girls said, Miss Amy, keep it short. <laughs> okay? You're not going to be in here. And I know you like Mr. Cherokee, so, what's the, so I want to make sure that you're done in time for the Kansas game. Well, that's 415. So um, we're going to be done by then. I promise that I'll at least give you time to get there. So, I mean, three 3.30, I think. Yeah, so I told her, don't worry about it. We'll be out in time for you to see the Kansas game. So they're pretty funny, and they're very honest, which, which can be great and also be very brutal and humbling. But I enjoy them. And um, luckily for you, we aren't going to do any of that this morning that we do in Kids Blast. But again, we, we learn a lot of things in there about God's love for them. God has a plan for their lives. They learn how to love God and love others. And I would really encourage you, if you've never been in there on a Sunday, come on in and check it out and see what we do in there. As you can see, we have lots of fun too. But I'm really excited to be in here with you guys this morning. And we are on week three of our message series on the Lord's Prayer this morning. And as Pastor Chris said, we're going to talk about the the passage in the Lord's Prayer, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. And I want to um, explore with us with you today a couple of the different ways we can look at that part of the Lord's Prayer. And then I also want to talk to you about what it means for us as a community of believers when we pray that prayer together. But first, I'd like to pray for us before we get started. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are in our lives. We thank you that you provide for us. God, we thank you that you are a good Father, a loving Father that cares for us. And I pray that right now that um, your words will speak to hearts in this place. I pray that your Holy Spirit will just um, reach into the hearts of people who need to hear this message today. We love you and we thank you for your care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first way we can look at this passage is in a physical light. God provides for our physical needs. And when we ask God to give us our daily bread, we are literally asking him to provide for the things we need. And I think the best story in the Bible um, about this is found in the Gospels, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's a story we've probably all heard since we were little, when Jesus fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch of five loaves of bread and two fish. And in fact, Matthew in his Gospel tells us that the number was 5,000 men, not including women and children. And a lot of scholars believe that this number of people was more like fifteen to 20,000 people That is an incredible miracle. It was a public miracle that a lot of people saw. And I want to look at a particular part of that passage. But I want to look at at the passage that's before the miracle occurs. It's in John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can read along with me. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen here. But in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. See, Jesus was not surprised by the people that showed up. He knew that those people were going to be there. And he already knew how he was going to feed them. So he wasn't stressed out or worried when he saw them all show up. But this was a moment for him to teach his disciples about trusting God for provision. Now, I'd like for you to think with me for just a little bit about what the idea of daily bread means to you. So when you pray this prayer, and the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, what are you praying for? Are you praying for physical food, like in the Bible story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? Maybe shelter, clothing, money, maybe family or friends. There's lots of different ways we can look at that. A lot of different people have different ideas of what their daily bread is. And regardless of the ideas that you came up with when it comes to daily bread, it's still very hard for us to see that idea through the eyes of the people in Jesus' day. Because those people, a lot of them were farmers. They relied directly on good weather or rain or healthy crops in order to feed their families. And they knew the desperation of praying for rain so that their crops would grow, so they could harvest them, so they could feed their families. And if they didn't get rain, if they were in a drought or there was um, problems with crops that year, they knew the fear of not knowing if they were going to be able to provide food for their families, the fear of not knowing where their next meal was going to come from. And most of us, if not all of us, don't know that feeling. Instead, we live in a time when we can pick up our phones and get on our Walmart grocery app and have the groceries delivered right to our car, which is wonderful. I use it and I love it but we don't really have a frame of reference for how the people in Jesus' time felt. Now, for those of us in our families who don't even do the grocery shopping, it's even worse for them because they think that the food just magically appears in the pantry. I think our kids, my, my son will say, did you buy bagels? No, I'll get it the next time I go to the grocery store or the next time I order groceries. And like five hours later, he's been with me the whole time. Do you have bagels yet? No. I, you have, have you seen me leave the house? Have you, I mean, no, it's not, it's not like poof, and all of a sudden food just appears in the pantry. It's just like the laundry doesn't get magically folded, and the dishes don't get magically washed. There's not a grocery genie. Okay, but even then, we have a much easier time of getting our daily bread than the people did in Jesus' day. And as I was thinking about this idea of not knowing when I was going to get to eat, like not knowing when my next meal would be, earned, where my next meal would come from. I really, I don't think I have any frame of reference for that or any idea. I think the closest it would be was when I was a mother of young kids, like infants and toddlers. And you just never know when you're going to get spit up on, or you have to change a diaper blowout, or you're going to have to deal with a meltdown. And this tiny little free time you might have carved out for yourself to grab, to grab a meal just got like smashed because of something they did. But even then... Even then, when I'm in those moments, I know I'm at least going to get to like eat the crust from their peanut butter and jelly sandwich or grab their little, you know, those mac mac and cheese microwave bowls. My kids never finish them all. There's always like a layer at the bottom. Even though I knew I could scrape that up and eat that, I knew I would get something to eat. I wasn't going to starve. And so, this is not the same kind of uncertainty that the people in Jesus' day felt. They are talking about times when they literally did not know if there was going to be any food available. And so, the idea that Jesus gives them to trust God to pray for their daily bread was probably a lifeline for them. Now, when we pray for our daily bread, we tend to take it as a prayer for our future needs. So we pray it this morning, and we're basically saying, you know, for the rest of today, give me my daily bread. But it's important for us to really stop and look at our lives. For example, when we leave this place, we're all going to get in our cars that probably have plenty of gas in them, to drive to our homes that most likely have air conditioning and heat. We're going to look in our kitchen pantries and our kitchen cabinets, and we're going to see that God has already provided our daily bread for today and also the weeks ahead. As we look at this, we realize that God a lot of times has provided for us ahead of our needs. And I want to read again really fast John 6, 6 when it says that Jesus asked this question of Philip only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. See, Jesus already knew how he was going to feed the thousands, and he already knows how he's going to provide for us too. Several years ago, several years ago, my husband and I were newlyweds, and we're in that stage in life, which many of you found yourselves in when you first got married, where you didn't have a lot of extra money. You had the money you needed and, um, most of the time, but you didn't have extra money. There was one day that we got some extra money in the mail and we were so excited. And immediately we thought of all these things we wanted to spend it on. We had a long list that just within seconds, you know, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. We're so excited. And like two days later, something happened to one of our vehicles and we had to use that money to fix our vehicle. My first reaction was frustration and anger. I had plans for that money, and now I have to fix my stupid car. I don't even like this car, and I have to put all this money into it. And I was very frustrated with that. Now, it took some time and several lessons like that for us to learn a very important lesson. But little by little, we began to look at those extra and unexpected blessings from God as ahead-of-time provisions that he was already providing for a need before we even knew we had it. And we're at that point now in our lives where when we get something unexpected, we hold it with open hands because we don't know what it really is for. Maybe it's for a future need for ourselves. Maybe it's for somebody else that we know that needs something. And so we begin to look at those things. And you probably all have those kinds of moments in your life when you can tell a story this morning about God's ahead-of-time provision for you. And when we look at those things, when God has already provided our needs before we even knew that we had them, it gives us a a humble trust in God as our loving Father, who's going to care for our needs, and he will provide what we need. And the second way we can look at this phrase in the Lord's Prayer is through a spiritual lens. When we look back at John chapter 6, we're going to look at that again to help us with this idea. Now, we already talked about how Jesus had fed the 5,000 with the miraculous um, little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish. This was not just an extraordinary miracle in the eyes of the Jews. It reminded them of another miracle in their history. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus how when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, God miraculously provided manna from heaven for them. And this was a moment in their history when they were having to rely on God to keep them alive. They had nothing else but God's provision for them, and time for them to trust God to provide for them. This was one of those big moments in their history, one of those times that they would just pass it on from generation to generation. Remember the time that God provided bread from heaven for us when we were in the wilderness. Remember the time, remember the time, remember the time, to where it was one of those stories that they held on to they told their children and their grandchildren. And bread had an almost sacred significance to the people that Jesus was talking to. So Jesus feeds the 5,000, and then he begins to talk to the people about bread. In John six twenty seven, he says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. When Jesus says this, they immediately start thinking about physical bread. Because between between the miracle of their history that they've been told since they were children and between the fact that Jesus just fed over 5,000 people in a miraculous fashion, they had bread on the brain. And in this passage, Jesus is trying to get them to shift their thinking from physical bread physical sustenance to spiritual sustenance. And it takes some patience on Jesus' part because they're just not getting it at first. They kind of go back and forth for a while and he's finally able to get them to that point in verse 35 of chapter 6 where he declares to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He is saying to them, all the things you need in life, they're all found in me. It's like he's waving his arm saying, It's me. I'm the one that you look to for everything. I am what you need every day. So we see through this that Jesus doesn't just provide our everyday needs. He doesn't just provide everything we need. He is everything we need. Jesus is everything that we need. So when Jesus instructs us to pray for God to give us our daily bread, He's really we're really praying for God to give us himself for God to give us the realization that everything we need is found in Jesus. Jesus is our source of spiritual life and well-being. He is the spiritual sustenance of our lives. The answer to every prayer, every worry, every concern, every cry, every heartache is Jesus. He is the bread that we need. It would be ridiculous if we thought we could just eat once a week. How many of you would be brave enough to to admit that you get hangry? So when you're hungry, you get a little angry. A few of you. Okay, I see someone pointing to somebody else. So how many of you would, would admit that somebody you know gets hangry? A few more hands there. Interesting. Yeah, I have to say, I have people I live with that, are, that get hangry. People I work with, that get hangry. Sorry, did I actually point? I didn't mean to... <laughs> I didn't mean to point. I'm just using my hands. But yes, there, there are people I know and I as well can, can get that way too. But if, if we only ate once a week, there'd be a lot of hangry people running around here. It would be ridiculous. It wouldn't work. Or what if we only waited to eat until we were literally about to starve to death? Again, it would be ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. We need to eat every day, every single day and several times a day. Some of us more than others. Okay? to keep that hangry at bay. We need to. But if Jesus really is the bread of life, then we need him just as much as we need physical bread. We can't think that just getting a little bit of Jesus once a week on, say, like a Sunday morning is enough to satisfy the needs of our soul. We also can't think that we can just wait and go to come to God and, and have Jesus in our lives when we're going through a hard time and we feel like we're about to starve spiritually. And just like physical bread, Jesus is saying that we need Him every single day, in every stage of our lives. I see this at work every day in my life. For those of you that don't know me very well, I'm not a very outgoing person. I grew up singing in front of people at church. My whole life, I did. But talking in front of people is a whole different story. And it it's not my comfort zone. If I would have put my sermon in an opera or musical form for you this morning. Would have been easy. No problems. You would have been uncomfortable, but I would have been completely at ease. No problems there. I'm not going to do that, by the way. <laughs> not going to. But, but definitely, it's just not my comfort zone. And then also, if you've ever been to a kids' event with me, mega camp or royal family camp or kids' camp, you've seen me leading kids in energetic uh, worship songs, just where we dance around, we're having a, good, having a good time. Again, not something I am very comfortable with doesn't come naturally to me. In fact, when I first took this job as children's pastor, there were two things that terrified me more than anything. One was talking in front of people, and the other one was leading kids' worship songs with the dancing and emotions and all that stuff. Because I'm pretty shy and soft-spoken, but for some reason, God has put me here to do that very thing. And in my life, I have struggled a lot with many insecurities and self-doubt and there is no way that I should be up here right now speaking to you except for the power of Christ in me. I have learned that I need him every single day so I can do the things he's called me to do. He is a lifeline that I hold on to so I can continue on the path that he's called me. Now, I can honestly say I'm not yet in that place where I absolutely love talking to people. <laughs> not there yet but it is getting easier as I rely on Jesus. I can tell you, though, that I absolutely love leading our kids in energetic, passionate worship. It is one of my favorite times with them. And so I see Jesus being my strength and my sustenance in those areas of my ministry. Because Jesus doesn't just provide everything we need. He is everything we need. I want to take a step back for just a second and look at the Lord's Prayer as a whole. And just kind of think about it. We, we said it earlier today. My mom's an English teacher. I know she's watching right now because she texted me between services. So she's hopefully going to be very proud of my English knowledge. But the tense of the Lord's Prayer is first person plural. I had to do some research to figure that out. But I figured it out. And I had to, i obviously I did email my mom, too, just to make sure I had it right. So really, thanks, Mom. She's the one who kind of helped me with it. But first person plural Okay, that means that when I pray this prayer, I'm praying it for myself personally, but I'm also praying it for you, and you're praying it for me. We don't begin this prayer by saying, my Father who is in heaven. We say, our Father who is in heaven. And we don't say, give me this day my daily bread. We say, give us this day our daily bread. And this can't be coincidence on Jesus' part. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying it as a community of believers together. I'm praying for God's provisions in the Lord's Prayer, I'm praying for myself and others to receive daily bread. Now, how can I be content with God's provisions for my own life, physically or spiritually, when my neighbor has no provision in that area? The beauty of Jesus setting us up in a community of believers is so that we can be God's provision to each other. God provides for us so that we can provide for each other. And when we receive these provisions, we should accept them and be grateful and thankful. But then we should have our eyes open to see who else can benefit from the provision that we've received. Now, this works with both physical and spiritual provision. Now, I see this at work very well at our church. It's amazing to me when I see ladies give of their time to go answer phones at Crisis Pregnancy Outreach Center. Or I see our junior Bible quiz team who bakes a pie together for the pie auction that raises money for Royal Family Kids Camp. Or I see some of our our retired men and women who go to Jarman Elementary on Monday mornings and they read to the neighborhood kids there, the neighborhood school. Or when our teenagers give up a week of their time to hang out at kids' camp with our kids, teaching them how to love God and teaching them how to love others. When our college-age and young adult kids, when they take the time to give up a week of summer vacation to go to Royal Family Kids Camp to love on foster kids. I see it when we as a church provide vehicles for missionaries like Ben Wade and Shane and Chelsea Blodorn that benefit their ministry. I even saw it this past week on Friday when we said goodbye for now to one of our beautiful members, Carolyn Ford. And ladies from our church brought food. And even by the time I got here, I didn't see hardly any of them. There were some ladies also that served. but Most of the ladies who brought food, nobody even knew who brought the food. It just magically kind of showed up. Showed up. But we know it wasn't magic. But it was amazing because these women, just and they do this for every single funeral, but they provided a meal so that Carolyn Ford's family could be together and fellowship together after her funeral. And this happens, like I said, for every single funeral that we do here at Christian Chapel. It happens when someone has a baby, people bring meals. When someone has surgery, people bring meals. When someone is going through a hard time, people come and they sit with them. And they, they walk through that with them. And this church does a great job of that. This church gets the idea of providing for others out of the provision that they've received. That is awesome. And I am so proud to be of a church, part of a church that does that. So, and I don't want to discount that. So good job. And please keep it up because it's beautiful and it's so necessary to, to, um, for us to do that so that we can reach the people that God has called us to reach. But as hard as it is, to share our physical blessings, sometimes it's even harder to share our spiritual blessings. It's easier to share the physical things that we've received sometimes than it is to share the spiritual lessons that we've received. And I wonder why that is. Why is it? Why is it so hard for us to share those spiritual things that we've learned and to share them with other people? I think it's because sharing our spiritual provisions requires us to get a little more vulnerable with each other. This is where we have to be willing to open up our hearts and our very lives to each other. We have to be willing to share our hurts, our fears, and even our mistakes in order for others to see how God has provided for us during hard times in our lives. I want to read another passage for you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God brings us through things in our lives so we can turn around and be his provision to somebody else who's going through a similar situation. And that's why home groups are so vital to our community. But even in that small group setting, we still have to be willing to speak up to share our experiences You have no idea what your story will mean to somebody else. You have no idea of the impact it might have on the person who's sitting across from you. I could tell you so many stories of this in mine and my family's life. I've been a children's pastor here for three and a half years, but some of you don't know that we've actually attended the church for about 14 or 15 years before that. So we've been around for a while, and we don't have family in town. But this church has become our family. You have become our family. And so many families here have gathered around us to be family to us, to help us, encouraging us as we raise our kids, help us when we need something. You have been with us when we've walked through hard times. You've celebrated with us when we've gone through great times. You have become family to us. And you have had a hand in God's spiritual provision to us. Some of you don't know this either, but when I was pregnant with our first child, I was in the hospital on bed rest for about two months. This was a really difficult time for my, myself and my husband in our life. It was a really hard journey for us to to trust God to be there for our family, and it was a season where we really had to rely on God's spiritual provision for us because we just didn't know we didn't know what was going to happen, we didn't know what was going to look like, and we had to. Ask for a lot of help, and that was humbling as well. But we saw this church come and, and sit with me. And many of the women, some of whom I didn't even know that well yet, sat and shared their own stories of difficult times in their pregnancy. That's not an easy thing to share with somebody that you don't know well. But they did. They sat and they opened up their hearts to reach into mine. And it had an impact on my life. And they gave me strength and encouragement to know that I wasn't alone and they used their stories to be God's provision to me during that hard time in my life. And our executive pastor Greg was our head pastor at the time, and he was so faithful to come and visit me every week to let me know that the church loved and cared for me. Everyone was praying for me and to know that I hadn't been forgotten. I wasn't tucked away somewhere where no one saw me, but they saw me, they loved me. And it's made an impact on me that I still feel to this day. As we prepare to close this morning, i want to go back really fast to the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we look back at this story and we see that Jesus used a little boy's lunch. This is very small, five loaves and two bread. Two, or five loaves of bread and two fish, sorry. But it was a very small amount of food. Very small, but he used it to turn it into food for thousands. Now Jesus, being God and all, He could have caused bread and fish to materialize out of thin air. And it would have been an amazing miracle. It would have still fed thousands. But Jesus didn't choose to work that way. Instead, he chose to use the provision of another person to provide for the needs of everybody else. And I believe the picture of that particular miracle is a picture that we can look at. It's the model we can keep in mind when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. So an extension to, to pray and give us this day our daily bread is for me to pray and ask God to help me be that provision to somebody else. As we look at the Lord's Prayer, we pray it with an awareness that He has already provided our physical needs with the blessings He's given us. And He's already provided our spiritual bread in the person of Jesus Christ. We pray it with the knowledge that God will allow us to be provisioned for somebody else that's going through hard times in their life. And so we pray this prayer with grateful and thankful hearts for our good Father. We also pray it on behalf of each other. And with our eyes and our ears and our hearts wide open to see who needs this same provision that we've received. How can we be that provision for somebody who is praying the same prayer that we're praying? I'd like you to please stand with me. And if you bow your heads and close your eyes. I'd like to just invite those of you who are in a place where you need God to provide for you. I'd like to pray especially for you. I want to remind you that Jesus doesn't just provide everything you need. He is everything you need. He is our daily bread that gives life, that gives us what we need. He gives us sustenance. Answer to every single question, every fear, every worry, every insecurity, every heartache, every disappointment answers Jesus every time. He is everything we need. Again, in John 6 6, Jesus had said, He asked this only to test Him, for He already had in mind what He was going to do. I want you to know today that God already has in mind what he is going to do in your situation. Your situation is not a surprise to him. He knows where you are. He's known where you're going to be today. And our job is just to trust him to provide for us. That's you today. And you find yourself in a place where you need something. You have a physical need. You have a spiritual need. If you could just raise your hand, I would love to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a good Father. Thank you that you are loving and you care for us. We thank you for sending Jesus to be everything we need. And I pray for those in this room right now who need you in a specific way that you will just reach into their hearts and provide they need. Encourage them to know that you're with them, that you see them, and that you love them. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are all we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.